Hello, I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is Forever Blue, uh, the podcast, of course, the audio podcast. There is, of course, also a, a video on YouTube, which is the match day vlogs. Sometimes you see little bits of the podcast on there as well. Yesterday, just for something different, and because it was another home game and they can't all be a little bit samey, I decided that on my vlog I would do something slightly different. I had no idea what the final score of City against Southampton would be, um, but I decided that I would just do a sort of montage, really, of scenes around the Etihad, just to give people who don't necessarily have the good fortune to be able to go to games a flavour of, of what it was like. It's a little bit shorter than normal, uh, but have a look at it, and it is up on the YouTube channel. Big thanks, of course, to charleslewy.co.uk, who are a chartered mortgage advisor and all sorts of other things to do with buying and selling houses. They're the sponsor of this podcast, and I'm very grateful to them for supporting it. Without them, there perhaps wouldn't be a podcast. So thank you, guys. If you want some advice on buying or selling, whether it be commercial, whether it be private, give them a call. I'm on the website, charleslewy.co.uk. There's a phone number on there. They're based in the Manchester area, and I'm sure they'd be delighted to hear from you and to, to help you. And obviously now that uh, hopefully we're out of this pandemic, at least the, the, the worst of it, people are starting to move again. So if you need some high advice and help, then go to them guys and they will help you. Now, uh, I haven't got an ex-player on today, uh, partly because the subjects we're going to talk about tonight might be things that, that players are not quite as clued in about. Uh, things like, for example, uh, the ticketing situation, which continues to be a big talking point among City fans. And Mark Todd, who is a very welcome new addition to the Forever Blue team, is also on City Matters. And anybody that follows him or his activities will see that, uh, that he's doing a very good job of standing up for the fans. So we'll hear from him. We've got Tony, um, who was one of my sponsors in the past, has become a good friend, who's also a City fan, of course, with his views. And Adam, um, who is a journalist, but also a City fan um, and gives us very different perspectives, both in terms of his age, his background and all the rest of it. So we've got a really nice mixture of different people. We've got an extra guest on today because Mo Surrey contacted me to say that when inevitably we would talk about what Pep Guardiola said this week about, uh, well, I'm not going to do a quote because I might misquote him and that might upset people. But when the discussion topic came up at that did he or didn't he ask for more fans, more noise? Why did he do it? Should he have said it? Was he taken out of context? All that is what Mo wants to talk about. So because we'd already got three people lined up and I like to keep the numbers down to a certain number, uh, Mo's not going to be with us for the whole podcast, but she did actually write me an email which expressed her, her feelings very eloquently. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to start off with that email? Now, rather than me read it out, we're going to let Mo read it out. So we're then going to discuss it, and you can come back, Mo, when we've done that, and tell us what you think and whether we've treated it honestly, fairly, whether you agree or disagree. So, welcome to the podcast, Mo. Um, tell us what your email said and what your thoughts are on this whole uh, situation. Okay, well, I was thinking that when we listen to things, we always listen with our own agenda. And I've got a particular bee in my bonnet, and that's about the constant negative twist on reporting and the negative headlines about City uh, by what I call the, the red media. Uh, I've even complained to the BBC about it, and now I refuse to read their football pages because their headlines about us are always negative. Um, 
I've often watched a presser and then seen the headlines and thought that's not what's been what's been said. Well, I was at the match on Wednesday and I was really pleasantly surprised by the number there, despite all the valid 101 reasons that fans could not be there. I thought it was a great atmosphere. It wasn't the best, but it was certainly not the worst. And I thought it was a great night's entertainment, which only cost me, because I'm an old biddy, it only cost me 15 quid. And... Um, and when I say that, I'm not having a go at others who would have had to pay more to be there. Uh, and the point I'm making here is don't hear what I'm not saying and get all defensive, because I think that's what some fans do. So when I got home, I listened to Pep's post-match and it seemed to me that he was happy. He was very happy. The interviewer was saying, and I quote, um, I like what to watch these sorts of games, give us some more. And then Pep responded in a way that I heard as saying, yes, I hope more can come and watch and enjoy. And in fact, it will be a difficult game on Saturday because the City players will be tired, our opponents rested, and therefore it'll be a hard game. So we'll need the fans to be there. So what I heard was a rallying call, not a dig at the fans. In fact, I heard it at quite, at, as quite the opposite. And in fact, what he'd said when we saw the match yesterday, the players were not really on it. They did look tired and they certainly were not as sharp mentally as they normally are. The passing and the reading of the game were really poor. And they needed the 12th man. And in our case, we can't depend on that one being the ref, can we? Anyway, after uh, Leipzig, I felt that that was twisted by the press to be a dig at the numbers there. Um, and he vehemently denied that in the next presser. Uh, the, you know, the one for the post-Southampton um, presser. Uh, and basically, he said he didn't have to apologise for saying something he didn't say, and he explained what he did say. And then, surprise, surprise, there's the headline, Pep refuses to apologise. So again, the red media agenda now is in full flow. There's deflection from the previous night's Stretford's defeat. Our win is totally ignored. The opposing fans pile on with their taunts and some City fans are now in full hypersensitive defensive mode. Some of whom they've not actually heard the full interview and seen it in context. They've just seen the headlines and then the consequent trolls and they blame Pep who did not say what he was made out to have said. And of course, then the big stick is out to beat us with again. And it's still out this morning with dubious pics in the uh, mirror and the mail showing empty seats from yesterday's match. How many other teams get this treatment? And I think it's only because we supposedly dare to think that we are a big club. I don't blame the fans. 
it's a very sore point at this time with all the changes around the ticketing. The aforementioned very valid reasons that people can't or won't go to a midday, a midweek game. And even that word won't is contentious. We are told we have to put up with it if we are a big club. The club is growing as a multi-billion pound business, but I truly believe that at many levels it is trying to maintain that family ethos, but it has made a lot of mistakes. So I think the question that we really should be asking is, are we or are we not a big club? Do we care what others think, especially the so-called truly big clubs? This has been talked about previously on Forever Blue, and I've heard it um, talked about on Forever Blue. Some blues much prefer the old days, but then we would not have been able to afford the players or the manager that we have now, or have the privilege to see the sublime football. We say we want a striker, but they will only come at a price that we are prepared to pay within our business model and our club ethos. In order to keep up with the growth, there has to be changes and City have not always got that right. However, I do accept their apologies about the Super League and the recent apology about the lack of infrastructure, i.e. the phone lines, and the resource personnel to deal with the messy ticket issue. I personally, even though I'm an old biddy, though anxious, I found that I had no problems with the tickets and the system was not as bad as I feared. Getting in and out of the car park, now there's an issue. I'm only joking because it was much better yesterday. Again, I am aware that it is not everyone's experience, but I am pleased that the club stated they had made note of or listened to City Matters. And we're, and we're trying to address the problems with extra staff. Perhaps this is the club trying to listen to the fans, maybe. I was at a pre-match uh, official supporters club meet for fans on the first home match of the season where we had an opportunity to sport to speak to Danny Wilson. I think there are they are trying to make connections. I have many reasons to be proud of our club despite all the tensions of growth as a business. The responses to Emily on supporter services Twitter the caring for other fans, the personal phone calls during the lockdown and the work in the community are all things to be proud of and add to the ethos of the club, which I hope we will never lose. Our deprecating humour is wonderful and speaks of who we are. If we should not let ourselves get wound up by the red media, or fans of the big clubs. If that is what it means to be big, they can keep it. 
When I heard Pep speak about us fans, I truly believe he has looked into our history. And as he said, we don't want to be like Stratford United or Liverpool. We do have sore areas and maybe our own particular issues with the club, but I genuinely believe there isn't a better club to support, that we should do what we can to resist the clickbait red media agenda and keep getting behind our team and our manager when, where and how we can. Whilst others amuse themselves counting blue empty seats, and arguing with themselves about whether we are a big club or not. We've been to Rotterdam and Monaco, <laughs> Napoli Amen. and Rome. We've still got blue empty seats, empty seats at home. Just thought I'd sing that at the end of that. I mean, that was that was a long email. Thank you very much, Mo, for, for reading it out. Uh, I think it throws up a lot of different talking points. I'm going to start with the journalist among us, which is Adam, because... The red media is something that is thrown up a lot and is mentioned quite a lot there by Mo in her email. So tell me what you think, Adam. Uh, give us your reaction to everything you've just heard. So I, I initially was quite annoyed at the comments when I first saw them, even when I actually saw the whole clip and not just the quotes. I just felt like it was... I did, I did feel like it was a dig. I think he could, he could say that on any night, but he chose to say it on a night where it was... From our lowest, lowest attendance, our lowest attendance for, for a European game. So I was, I was quite annoyed personally about it. Um, and then I understood sort of Kevin Parker's um, reaction to it. Um, the secretary of the support club, yeah. So I, I understood why he said that. But of course, like you say, the media wanted to make it a big thing. They want, they know oh. that, they know that. Played that, right into the rounds there, then, didn't we? Oh, we did. This this is where this is where Kevin was sort of backed into a corner. Yeah, I felt uh, sorry for him. I, I feel I feel really sorry for the guy because he, he sort of spoke his mind, but that was exactly the reason why they wanted to speak to him. So he's played into their hands, but he's just spoke his mind. So I completely can, can understand that. Um I can understand why 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 he said what he did, and I completely agree with, with what he said. Um but yeah, I, I do feel like the media really did take it and, and run with it and they made it into a bigger thing than than anyone sort of intended for it to do uh, for, to make it even in the press conference i found myself I, I couldn't listen or watch the press conference live so i just saw the quotes first and i found myself angry at pep's comments um looking at the quotes but then i actually watched the video from the press conference and i was a lot more understanding of what was going on it was because the quotes were taken out of context they were using half of the quotes uh, just the bottom or just the top and we understand that's just general practice like even I, i'll do that sometimes um that's to, you know it, that's the most hard-hitting line you know if you've got one line of quotes in a tweet you're going to put that um that's going to get the most clicks etc so I, I do understand why they've done it but it, i think it was wrong i think i do think sky wanted just the engagement, you know, you saw the graphic on Sky Sports, which was, you know, I might leave, you know, the stuff about him leaving, um, he wasn't really saying he was going to leave, but that sentence made it look like he was about to step down, so then that created more engagement, and it's just that chasing engagement, um, but then I sort of blame Pep for that, because he's giving them ammunition to go with, uh, so the, he knows what the media's like. Everyone knows that the media will jump on anything like that, um, and that's their job. Um, but 
Pep shouldn't really be giving him that sort of an inch. I, I think the club needed to sit down with Pep. I don't know if they did or not before that presser and just say, we need to defuse the situation. Either just don't speak about it or, or, or just say something different. I feel like the quotes in the conference didn't help. Um, so I felt like he doubled down on himself and that didn't help us either. Um, but I think he should just be more aware of what he's saying and realise that what he does say can be taken out of context because chances are more of the journalists are going to be United fans and Liverpool fans than they are Man City fans. So they're, they're going to be writing it from that perspective. So I think the media went too far with it. I think Pep shouldn't have made the comments. And I now think we've just got to move on and get over it because we don't want to make it into a big thing now because um, we don't want Pep to start, you know, actually leave, you know. We don't want it to be a huge thing. So we just need to move on. Um, and after, you know, this discussion, um, it should be it, you know. We shouldn't, we shouldn't need to sp- speak about it again, really. I was asked for a quote from The Sun, uh, from a friend of mine, Martin Blackburn, who works for The Sun. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to read out everything I said to him and it may have appeared in the paper, but my, my reply was, um, I think most fans would say Pep is out of touch with what's going on recently for supporters. The stadium will be full or very nearly full on Saturday, as it always is for a weekend home game. He's done it in all innocence but he doesn't have to jump through the hoops that many of our fans have to go through to get to the game. There have been a lot of complications surrounding new digital ticketing system, uh, which has been traumatic for Oldham fans and has caused a lot of unrest. I know some have said that they won't go a game until, uh, get to another game until it's changed, while others might not even go to cup ties. And until this week, the club were also saying that you couldn't transfer your ticket to a friend or relative for a cup tie. Don't forget, we're still in a pandemic, which causes its own issues. And plenty of supporters have got used to watching football on the TVs for the last 18 months. Uh, I know some have decided to carry on doing that. Of course, watching at home is much cheaper. Cup ties are not included in the price of a season ticket. Then there's the issues going back between City and UEFA over many years, which is well documented. A lot of City supporters prefer going to league games, as most of them are played at the weekend, whereas European games are often midweek. Um, so... Those are the, those are the, that's the way I answered it. Um, Mark has obviously been at the centre of all the digital ticketing thing and actually, I think, made a, a huge breakthrough this week when he seemed to get the club to overturn the, the cup tie digital ticketing thing and allowed tickets then to be passed on to friends and relatives on your list. Um, and I should throw in, by the way, just before you start speaking, Mark, because yeah. I know you'll, you'll have a lot to say, that uh, I mentioned on a, on a previous podcast that I'm now a season card holder. Uh, when I went to the Arsenal game, there was somebody sat in my seat who had an ad- identical ticket. And um, the same thing happened again yesterday, despite oh. four phone calls to the club last week. Um, so, again, somebody turns up, very nice young man who was sat in my, showed me his digital ticket, same row number, seat number, block number. And, uh, and, and, and I, I can't believe this has happened again. Um, so there's obviously a lot of problems uh, off the field, uh, which the club are, are struggling to, to, to deal with. So, yeah. Mark, and you've got a whole lot to go out here. You've listened yeah, to what Moore said. One of the, <laughs> go one on, of off the reason, you go. One of the reasons I love supporting City is because of people like Mo. And the way she spoke was absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, one big, big blue family and all that stuff. And she just spoke so well. I, 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 I'll go and listen to that again. Um, it was, I think it was an imperfect storm to uh, make up a quote. I think we were unlucky that Pep expressed himself the way he did. And I agree with Mo. I don't think 
his intention was to complain about crowd size. It was it was a rallying call. I couldn't agree more. And it was unfortunate that he's going on about attendances in whichever way he meant at a time when fans are massively frustrated about massive changes to the club in terms of ticketing. So I've spent weeks now almost working as a case officer for City, totally in a uh, like my own private capacity. I'm speaking privately tonight uh, as as a representative of the fans on City Matters. People like you, Ian, who've got problems like you've got, have been getting in touch. I've been trying to sort individual cases out and I've done dozens of them, as have some other people on City Matters. And City Matters, if anything, has come into its own during this little period. Uh, and we've actually done what I always wanted to happen, which is rather be a, a, a potentially moribund group of City fans who said what they thought. We've created a link between the support and the club, which I think doesn't always exist. And the official supporters could, could do that. They don't always. They're, they're probably more as represent the supporters clubs for obvious reasons. We've created some kind of link as individual members of City Matters. So I've been helping to solve problems, I've, as have other City Matters uh, members. So uh, for it all to happen at the same time, for Pep to say what he said the way Mo says, in my view, for us then to have all these problems with mobile ticketing, which is totally self-inflicted wound, is my opinion, by City. It's the worst case scenario, really. So fans were just so cheesed off. And I also agree with Mo. I'm going to say I agree with Mo all night, I think. Uh, I also agree with Mo. The atmosphere was fantastic against Leipzig. I think the best thing that's happened to our club recently has been uh, safe standing. I think the South stand is ace now. It's took it right up a notch. Uh, it felt to me like a lot more fans in the ground than the uh, record than the um, recorded attendance. I really enjoyed it. Of course, again, of course, it was over fifty thousand for the match last uh, yesterday. And again, I thought the atmosphere was pretty good considering it was a nil-nil draw and we played very poorly for us. So I just think we're a bit unlucky the way it's gone. And I think Kevin got caught out basically being presented with something. He got a little bit mugged by the question, potentially. You know, you know, your pet says that your fans are not very good, effectively. What have we got to say to that? He's bound to react in that way. And he and uh, and I just thought it was just, it's been a bad few days for the club in terms of that. I do think, and it is my personal opinion, we're not good at this stuff as a club. I think, you know, if we were on the front foot being more aggressive with the press and actually counter some of these stories... I mean, I'd be interested to know what Adam thinks about this because I think the club um, pander to them. I think they want to be liked so much by the Red Tops. And we should tell them to sod off now and again. And we should do what United always used to do. And if we don't like a question, he doesn't come in the week after. Ferguson used to do that all the time. Why not? Why can't we do that? Because they tell it, they'll uh, tell bad stories about us anyway that aren't true. We may as well give them a kick in the ghoulies now and again. It's about time we fought back with the press and stopped being bullied and pushed around with them. That's my view. Let's get Tony before I bring Adam back in. I know Adam probably won't have something to say on that, but we're not heard for a talk from Tony yet. You've been patiently listening to all this, Tony. Um, what, what did you make of what Mo had to say and what have you made of the answers you've heard so far? Um, I'm not going to say anything different, to be honest. I think that it's a bit of a storm in a teacup um, in terms of... It was more of a Peps, let's be having your moment rather than it was where the fans kind of thing. But I think 
For me, it's twofold. So some fans are a bit sensitive anyway when you mention the support or lack of. So they were bound to jump on. I can't believe he said this, that and the other. And the press are always going to be the press. If there's a story to write that paints us in a bad light or mentions the lack of fans or whatever, then it's always you know going to write itself or the they've probably had it saved in the draft since last season or the well since two seasons ago. Um because it's a recurring one, which I get why, you know, it's a, a sore point for some fans. But at the same time, I just think that we do have to bear in mind with some of what Pep says, um, read between the lines. Um, English isn't his first language. We've said this before in the podcast where I think he's made comments like, um, off the top of my head, I can't think of them all, but one where Phil Foden was the best player he's ever trained. Um, and we kind of, you know, read between the lines of young player rather than he was better than Messi, you know, kind of thing. But we've got to take these things as they are. Um, Pep came out, explained himself, and it is what it is. The papers are still going to now for the next six months or for the rest of the season, to be honest, they're going to count the seats because it's rights themselves. It gets them clicks and it's just more clickbait crap. Um, so you just got to rise above, it, rise above it sometimes, to be honest, and uh, let them do their thing. We do our thing. I was at the game uh, on Wednesday. I was at the game yesterday. Um, if somebody else isn't, then I understand why. Um, Paul, I know... Um, Obviously, contributor, um, Prestige, uh, drop his name there. But um, he struggled because of work commitments. So on Wednesday, he's got the garage. He can't get there in time for a midweek game. So we can't go. And, you know, all fans have their own lives and whatever else in terms of can you make it, can't you make it. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to finish early on a Wednesday to get there. But if I didn't have that luxury, then I probably wouldn't be able to make it. So, you know, there's a whole myriad of reasons why fans can't go. But, you know... It's the same with everybody at every club. I don't think we as fans need to explain ourselves. Um, you know, and I think it's a situation that goes right across football, really, not necessarily just in the UK. So, you know, if you had a look at, for example, um, oh God, I forgot it now, but um, I think it was the Inter Milan-Real Madrid game. Um, there was about 30-odd thousand there for a 75,000 stadium. But, you know it doesn't sell, get the clicks over here that it would elsewhere. So it's not going to be in the press. It's not going to be this down the other. So, yeah, as I say, storm in a teacup, onwards and upwards. And uh, I think the telling for the majority of the fans was yesterday, um, as we always do with our kind of humour, the first song just as kickoff was, you know, like the Invisible Man, we're not really here, uh, followed by uh, Guardiola. And I think that said everything for me in terms of, taking social media out of it because obviously there'll always be somebody on social media or there will be potential people pretending to be City fans for whatever reason and you know there's all sorts on social media but when you're at the games you get the gist of what the majority of those match day fans are thinking obviously no two fans are the same but for me it spoke volumes yesterday and um, I think Tuesday will be another one where it won't be a full stadium I'll be there but it won't be a full stadium uh, again it's another midweek game in quick succession um, but, you know, I think it is sometimes, I do slightly agree with what Pep was saying. So if we take yesterday's game, um, first half, full voices, everything was going, um, well, it wasn't going well on the pitch, but obviously we didn't get a goal, but um, everything was going well in terms of the crowd and, the, you know, cheering the team on. Second half, the nerves settled in and it wasn't until kind of the last five to ten minutes that the crowd picked up again. Before that, you know, for the rest of the other 30 minutes, it was, ooh, and you could hear the kind of the, 
oohs and ahs and the jeers and a few grumbles coming from the stadium. And there wasn't really that um, voice behind the team, you know, come on, City, um, for a large part of the second half. So is that what Pep was after, that he wants, you know, the come on, you know, that 12 man, as Mo says. So, yeah, I think uh, for me, it didn't bother me what he said. He said what he said. And I think it's um, the press just will tear it apart like they do with anything that he says, really. Um, they would use certain questions to try and trip him up on purpose. Um, and that's never going to change regardless. I worked in the media for a long time. I know how it works. Uh, obviously, uh, I know that editors are looking for lines. They call it, see what line you can get out of the uh, the interview or what is the line. Adam's already touched on that. And if you want to talk about what Mark said before, feel free. But just on the subject of Pep, uh, and, and we'll draw a line under this subject in a moment because we don't want to make the whole podcast about this. But in terms of um, what he said after the game, uh, the press officers, and I don't mean this as a personal thing about them, but the press officers would have no idea that he was going to say what he was going to say. But when he did the press conference on Friday, um, he, he knew, or the club knew, that there would be lots of questions about that because by then it had been you know, a big subject. Uh, hypothetically, do you think, Adam, as, as a journalist who maybe can see it from the other perspectives as well, if you were you know, on the other side of that fence, would, what would, you be, would you be saying to Pep, don't talk about that. Just say, make one statement, say you were misquoted and try to move it on. Or how, how would you have handled that? Yeah, I think um, the press officer should have allowed, you know, one comment about it. Pep says what he needs to say, which which I think he should have been told. He should have been briefed on what, what he needed to say. And I yeah. think that, that maybe um, should have been, you know, I feel like I was misquoted and then go, you know, the, the support's been excellent. It's been great for years, etc. Um, but now I just want to draw a line under it and I'm looking forward to moving on. Um, he didn't need to mention about if he's a problem, um, he'll leave. Or he didn't need to mention about Kevin Parker. That was a really, thought it was really sarcastic and, and talked down to him. I, I really didn't like that. Um, and it just gave... It gave the journalists in there exactly what they wanted, and that's just not the way to go about it. Um, we, we should have been firefighting before that press conference even started. Um, so I, I felt we attacked it wrong, um, the PR way. Um, in terms of Mark's comments about banning journalists, obviously I'm never, I'm never going to start to agree to something like that. I think it sets a really bad precedent um, for, for the rest of society as well if you start banning reporters from anywhere, um, particularly when it's such a... It's a pub. It's a pub. It's a public. Oh, you got bad reds. That's what they're there for. But they're going to see it anyway. So it's, it's petty. It's pointless. Um, I don't see the point. What I would do though is I wouldn't be giving those red tops um, who wrote those stories exclusive interviews with yeah, Kevin at the end of the season. That, yeah. Because that, that, that's something that a club can the club can manage without yeah, setting a bad precedent. So I'd do that. But I'd also you know look internally. It's it's our fault that that sort of things happen. You know. Yeah. The, the, um, and particularly with the empty seats, going back to the empty seats, that's also sort of our fault. I'm, I'm a season ticket holder and I can't buy tickets further down the line like I used to be able to do. You know, for the past five seasons, I've been able to buy a ticket for my dad and my, 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 dad and my uncle um, around Christmas time. We'll all go together as a family. I can't do that now because I've not got a Citizens Match Day membership. That's an extra £35 and I'm, I'm paying 615 quid. I don't, I don't understand why that's been revoked. So I now can't buy extra tickets, even though I'm a season ticket holder. Um, get, so in touch with, get in touch with me. I'll sort it out for you, Adam. Nice one. There yeah, you but, go. <laughs> but, it, 
But it, I'll do my best anyway. I'll do my best. Yeah, but that sort of thing is, yeah. is, is really annoying. So, you know, they've revoked that privilege. I'm paying the same amount of money. We're not getting we're not getting physical tickets anymore. We're not getting the free card holder and the scarf, but the price is the same. Those sort of things just put fans off. Go can, can, can put fans off that sort of thing. Like maybe we'll decide like I, maybe I won't uh, get my mate that extra ticket for, for November or something like that. And we'll decide to do something else, you know, that sort of thing. I think we need to make it as easy as possible to get tickets. Um, and, and and I'm fine, you know, with the uni lad, uni uni days, via Google, whatever, whatever it's called. Um, you know, putting tickets uh, for discounted rates, that's good. You know, we get stick for it, but I think that's really good. We need to do more to make sure we're filling those seats. And if it is reducing the price right down, so be it. Um, you know, we need to make sure we get bums on seats to avoid this sort of situation happening in the future. Tony. You wanted to say something. Again, I think going back to just picking up what Adam there said, um, it should have been handled a lot better. What should have happened at the beginning of yesterday's press conference was, here's a statement on my comments and him explaining it like he did in his answer. Uh, but picking on what he said about, if the fans don't want me, I'll go. That wasn't an ultimatum as it again was reported in the press. I saw that of when I've outstayed my welcome and I know I've outstayed it, then that's time for me to leave. He wasn't saying, well, if Kevin Parker thinks this, I'm out of the door, you know. But again, it's not how the press are going to do it. And I'm not his interpreter, far from it. I don't know what's going through his head. I wish I did sometimes, especially in the, uh, the Champions League final. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, we've got to just be, as we always have been as a group, really, and take it for what it is. We're never going to get that positive story out of media. Um, and we've just got to, yeah, uh, roll with the punches when it comes to what Pep says, and it's always going to be, well, he said this, he means this, but actually, no. And I think the press needs, um, the PR team at City needs to get a lot better at countering the press of, no, we said no questions, move on. Ian, um, can I just say, just before we leave this, I actually think the best thing that he said was that thing about, we don't want to be United. We don't want to be Liverpool. We want to keep the club the way it has always been. I love going to the trophy hat. Right, it's my favourite stadium in the whole country. I love winning the trophies. I love the people I go with. It's the best stadium in the country with the best fans in it. So we need to keep that and not try and compete with the likes of Liverpool and United on their agenda. Let's stay Man City. All right. Well, uh, Mo's obviously listened to everything you've said. I'm going to bring her back in now to uh, tell us what she thinks of of the way that we've discussed it and and the reaction that you've got to your very eloquent uh, email that you sent me originally, Mo. So uh, the floor is yours again. I just say thank you for letting me put my tuppence within and uh, and and listening to. And yeah, I agree with everything that that the other said, and it, and it was really good to hear um, Adam as a as a journalist, what he felt as well, that those things have been taken out of context, which is what we, which we, if we'd actually listened to it uh, and listened to his, his, his pressers and listened to the whole of it, then we get it in, in contact and context. And I wish more people would do that. Absolutely. So. Well, thanks very much for teeing off the debate. Um, uh, and for being part of it, I'm going to concentrate now on my main guest, which uh, and you can come on in a future episode, Mo. You can be an actual guest for a, for a future episode. So you have my invitation to that. Um, but I'm going to talk about some other subjects uh, now. So let's talk about the game yesterday. Um, obviously, we know what's happened now with uh, Liverpool beating Crystal Palace, Chelsea emphatic victory against Tottenham and United with somewhat of a fortunate victory, I've got to say, at West Ham. Um, 
this is not meant as a tribal comment, but they looked atrocious to me, United. I don't know how they managed to, to get a victory out of that, but they did. But the fact is that City's main three rivals, I would argue, in the title race, um, all had wins the weekend after a midweek Champions League game. Um, Pep said that he didn't have enough preparation time. And personally, I'll throw my tuppence in here. Um, I thought Kevin De Bruyne, at the very least, should have started that game against Southampton. I think, um, yes, there, there is an argument to say that he needs to be carefully managed in terms of game time, especially with the three and eight days that are coming up, which we all know, Chelsea, Liverpool and PSG. But I would have personally, but who am I? You know, Pep's the genius and it's just me watching from the sidelines. But I'd have started Kevin De Bruyne. I'd have played him for an hour, hoped by then we'd got a goal or two and then took him off. He's obviously not going to play Pep or any what he considers to be key players in midweek against Wickham. So they all then get a week off before these three games in, in eight days. Um, I, I can't deny that I'm not I'm not panicking, don't get me wrong, but... I'm just a little bit anxious having watched Chelsea and uh, the highlights of, of Liverpool um, that, that City at the moment uh, are not quite at the same level. Now, we saw what happened last season, slow start and suddenly everything exploded and City went on a fantastic run. There's nothing to supposed to say that that's not going to happen again, but I can't deny I'm a little bit anxious. So what, what do you three think of, you know, the performance against Southampton, the lack of shots, the... He had a very young bench, which suggested to me that, you know, he, he, he was, he's either not going to bring those young players on or he expected to be three or four nil up at some stage where they could then introduce them for the debuts. But that smacked a little bit of assuming that City would beat Southampton like they did against Norwich or Arsenal. So um, there's the floor. The floor is now yours. Who would like to cont contribute first on that subject? Mark. Oh, right. Pick me. Uh... The first thing I want to say is I thought Southampton were really good. Um, the way they set up, they, uh, they pressed us pretty high from what I could see. Um, they, you know, they closed down the spaces when we tried to go through Fernandinho to start attacks off. Um, they got around him. And every single play, creative player was just off their game. So passes were slightly under hit when somebody was through, you know, to actually go and attack the goal. And passes were just slightly hit people's heels. And it is fine margins when you play it in the Premier League quite often. And I think we just weren't quite at it and they were really good. And I think, you know, if we'd have scored first, things would, you know, if we'd have scored, in fact, uh, things would have been completely different like they always are when we score first. But I, my, the thing I took away from it was we were lucky to get a point. I actually thought Southampton could have won that game quite easily um, if they'd have had um, a bit more up front. Like, um, don't forget, there's a team that sold Danny Ings and the big centre-half who's gone to Leicester. So they've lost the best defender and the best attacker and they gave us a real game. So we weren't quite at it. It didn't quite come off. And I think every, every um, football fan I ever speak to says the same things. Why did they leave it so long? So why did we leave it until an hour had gone nearly to start making changes? You know, why not make it at halftime? Tuchel made a change today at halftime that completely changed the game against Tottenham. Uh, he brought on Kante, I think, and changed the formation. And it worked and they ended up winning 3-0. And it does frustrate me a little bit. It was kind of clear to me that some of the players were not quite at it. And, it, you know, you can't. I'm never going to criticise Fernandinho for not having a great day 
with all the great matches he's played for us. But he just wasn't at it, that, you know. And I just thought he could have made changes earlier and we could have been a bit all over him a bit more. And that might have produced the goal, the big goal that we were looking for. Adam, let's come to you then. What do you, are you worried at all about that or is it is that just a little minor hiccup? I am. I've gone full on uh, breakdown uh, mode. Me, I've, it really got to me yesterday and it's got to me today as well. Um, now I'm sober, I'm, I'm thinking about it even more. Um, I feel like, yeah, that Southampton played really well. I was really surprised how well they played and I was impressed by the fact they pressed us um, really well. Um, but I felt like, Obviously, we, we obviously weren't at the races. Um, we were giving the ball away in our own third way too much throughout the game in the wrong positions. And Pet absolutely hates that. So he, he was probably, uh, he probably had a sleep this night, last night. Um, but I just feel we're going to have quite a few of those games this season where we usually when we drop points, we are literally just doing the same thing over and over again. It isn't working. And you can usually tell by sort of 60 minutes when we're going to drop points because we just literally have the same, you know, we do the same thing, it doesn't work. We do the same thing, it doesn't work. It's like a malfunctioning machine, just keep, it carries on trying to do what it what it's been taught to do for the past six years, but it's not going to work on that day and we need a change. Um, and a striker would obviously have brought that change, but we don't have that option. Um, so even from the bench, you look from the bench and the options are pretty similar. I know you bring on Mares to maybe cut in or provide something different out wide, but it's, it is very samey-samey because the system obviously is always the same and you've not got a focal point at the top. So I just feel like this season we're going to have too many games like yesterday where we can't quite um, get that goal that we need to win the game. And that's why I just think we're, I, I'm, my expectations now, I don't think we're good enough to win this league. I think with Chelsea, um, how good they are, the Lukaku up top as a focal point, they're going to be unstoppable. Um, I even think, the likes of United and Liverpool might even um, finish ahead of us. So I, I just steady up. Like I feel. Don't like, wash your mouth out. I feel like <laughs> yesterday was just um, a, a vision of the future, and in terms of the next few months, um, oh, I can see the struggling annoyingly. I know it's a very doom and gloom, but I am. I'm feeling pretty doom and gloom about. Okay, it. you're entitled. <laughs> he, says it, he says it with a smile on his face, which yeah. uh, which is what Adam always does. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Tony? I mean, you, you, sometimes you're a bit doom and gloom. So what's your conclusion? I'm the internal pessimist on this podcast and I'm, uh, I always get the stick for uh, the negativity. Um, and I'm not trying to change that. But, um, <laughs> but um, I'll dig out some positives. Uh, well, I wish I could. But um, I disagree with Adam a little bit there. So are we still going to be title contenders? I think so. Um, I think that... It's a long old season and it takes something special for no team to lose all season, as we know. Um, you know, very few teams have ever done it. So for me, the time is going to be the next three games, which comes very quick succession, unfortunately, um, especially with Chelsea and Liverpool. And if we had a couple of, you know, the Southamptons, I suppose, over the next to find our feet, then great. But it's those games we do need to take points off. And I do worry with Chelsea and how they've been playing. Um, Southampton, you know, they did play really, really well. Um, they're very rare does a team come and do that, but managed to keep it up for 90 minutes. Usually that moment of lapsed concentration is where we capitalise. Um, we didn't get that yesterday. We didn't get that rub of the green. Um, I do think that, yes, we don't have that focal point up top, but we do have different players that can come on and bring the magic. You know, if we look at, for example, uh, where we get our goals from, 
very rarely over the last two seasons has it been from that, you know, from Aguero or from that striker in that sense. It has come from all over the team. We look at, you know, Vinny's uh, goal against Leicester, etc. So anybody can score in our type of squad. I don't think that's the issue. I just think at the moment, with pre-season and what's been happening, we're struggling um, to find fitness and we're struggling to um, get that rhythm going. So De Bruyne, you mentioned there, he's obviously come back from injuries, played, what, 20 minutes uh, the other day. He got uh, 20, 25 minutes yesterday. So I think given his time, he maybe you know, he should be starting. But then again, you know, is he going to start over Bernardo, who for me has started the season really well, has probably been our best player so far this season. Similarly with Phil. Um, but yesterday, I just think it was, you know, second balls we were just not getting into and things like that. I just... It wasn't going to happen. Uh, we could still be playing now and we still wouldn't have scored. Um, even if they'd all packed off home, I think we still wouldn't have scored. But um, I just think, you know, Pep is Pep. And I have the faith that regardless of what comes, we will be challenging whether we're going to win it. I'm not going to say that right now because um, never very rarely do I say we, are, uh, we will start the season and win the title. I don't think I've said it ever, to be honest. Um, even but- though we have even though we haven't got a striker because we didn't get one when we were hoping to get one, do you think it's slightly different this season? Because from the way I read it, is this season, even though there's no actual striker, he's almost playing somebody there who stays there. So Sterling yesterday, uh, quite often it's Torres, and they're given that sort of centre-forward role, even though they're not really a centre-forward. And I think that's where we're a bit different to last season. We really didn't have, when they say false nine, there was no nine faults or otherwise, people had taken it in turns to fill that space. And like especially Gundogan. Gundogan's not making the runs that he was making last season for me. And that's because somebody's already there. So I actually think it's not quite what we were doing last season. I think we were more fluid and more uh, difficult to pin down in attack last season. And what we're doing now is playing somebody who isn't a number nine in that space and he's not he isn't getting off to the sides and getting out of the way for people to make a run. So I think that's a bit of a difference for us, and that's why we struggled yesterday. I also um, I also think that Chelsea looking good is what's worrying us. So actually, you know, if Chelsea hadn't signed Lukaku, weren't looking quite so ominous, we'd probably think there's everything, everything to play for. You know, United are dreadful, and they'd be dre- how, how on earth they get top four every season? They're dreadful to watch. Um, and I actually think it's Chelsea looking good that's the problem. I agree. Well, come, we're going to come back and talk about the upcoming uh, Chelsea game. I mean, I know there's a Wickham match in midweek, but first of all, uh, the podcast uh, might be out of date. We talk about Wickham because it's only two days away. But secondly, I think the Chelsea game is the big one that everybody's going to be talking about as the week goes along. So we'll come back to that. Mark, at the beginning of the week, a few days ago, said, I want to be on this week's podcast. I'm never going to turn you down, Mark, because you're a Bless great you. contributor. So, But you particularly wanted to come on and talk about ticketing. So I know we've talked about a little bit of it anyway, but you, you know, if, you, if there's something you want to talk about or say, uh, off you go. Okay, I won't I won't go on and on about it because we really could have an hour about ticketing, the disaster that's unfolded over the last few weeks. Um, I, and I've said on the podcast before, and I'm very open about it, these are my views, not City Matter views, but it's it it couldn't have gone worse, really, in many ways. There's been a you know a lot of things that have gone wrong. We have, they have listened to the supporters via myself and via our my colleagues on City Matters about some things. So we managed, like you have mentioned before, Ian, we managed to get them to see sense 
about allowing cup tickets to be pinged about in the uh, new uh, using ticket uh, transfer and all that. So they are listening more than they have done in the past, in my view. So that's a good thing. What's going to happen is we've been firefighting this thing for a while and that can't continue. So I can't continue to have literally dozens of people getting in touch saying, can you sort this out for me? And then I get the club to sort it. That can't continue. But after the Wickham game, we've got nearly four weeks to the next home game, if I've worked my maths out right. So it's middle of October. So what I've said to the club is, and I think most people would think this was reasonable, for the next two weeks, sort this out. So the technology that's going wrong, people's payments not going through for cup games and people's um, phones not updated. Sort the technology out in the next two weeks, not four weeks, so that we've then got some confidence for the two weeks after that, that we can be back as we should be after that. And I think if we give the club that chance to do that, we've got to, we haven't got much choice. If we give the club that two weeks to sort it out, whether they do or not, we'll have to see. I'm not, I can't make promises for them. I think what we have to do then is say, look, we're gonna, what, what, if, if you haven't sorted out now, what do we do? We're, 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 you have to make some pretty hard choices. I'm not sure what that looks like, but um, it's been a bit of a disaster. In my, that's my opinion. And I think lots of things have created the disaster, but it's all self-inflicted wounds. City, City reintroducing such a massive change at a time when people had just come back from 18 months away, Payment details have changed. Different cards have changed in 18 months. People have changed names, you know, in 18 months, never mind anything else. Um, people have got older, you know, they've gone over the 60, 65 line or over the 16, 18, 21. So many things changed in that 18 months. And it, it, that was enough to deal with without introducing this. So what I'm, what I'm, I have proposed, and I think what City should do, this is my view, and I've told the club this, is that spend the next two weeks trying to sort it out don't tell us, wait for four weeks. Say, spend two weeks sorting out and then try and build some confidence that they've uh, solved some of the problems. I think I've mentioned this before, uh, that I believe that the instruction for digital ticketing came from the Premier League rather than it just being something that City decided to do. And I understand Liverpool have done the same um, and all Premier League clubs in theory were supposed to introduce this. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if anybody would know the answer to this one, but I was told that Leicester, when they saw what was happening, said, we ain't bringing this in, we're not doing it, we're going back to paper tickets and just stood up for this not being ready to do and that's why they haven't had the complication. And just before you answer that one, Matt, because yeah, I can see you're about to yeah, answer yeah. it, you can also tell us whether I saw a picture that Sean Riley, who's somebody that we both know, a long-standing yeah. uh, City fan, had posted, which purported to show a lot of people outside the, the South Stand after kickoff before the game yesterday in huge queues. I mean, obviously, I can't show you that on a podcast, but... It yeah, does show that. huge cues. It, yeah. uh, do you know whether that was that? I, I'm not suggesting for one second, by the way, that that Sean would mislead anybody. He, he's a fantastic fella. Uh, yeah. He may have been misled. What, what, is that genuine? Because I was inside the ground. I have no way of knowing. I've had multiple people reporting that the queues have been dreadful. But to be fair, they were complaining about that in previous seasons at the South End. It's not just the South Stand, and I'm no expert in the, in, in all of where the turnstiles are. But at the South End, so I think it affects the South Stand and the, the two side stands at the South End. They've had trouble down there for a long time. 
And I've reported that to the club, amongst the many other things I'm reporting at the moment, it seems like. Uh, and they've promised me that they'll come back with some answers to that quite soon. Again, hopefully in this four-week hiatus. So there have been problems down there. I've had reported. I don't sit in the South Stand, so I've not seen it myself. So I don't. Be I believe it to be true that there's problems. Then there's stories of, is this because people are going through slowly with the mobile ticket? Or is it something that's been a, a long-standing one? And I know that the club have shared a couple of ideas they've got with me that they need to get permission for, for safety reasons. So I've asked them to take it seriously, which they have, and the City Matters have mentioned it to them. Uh, and I think with a bit of luck, we'll have some news, whether it's good news or not, we'll have some news on that in the next couple of weeks. So if we do get some news, I'm happy to come and explain that to you and uh, everybody else here. OK, so... Uh, you've heard what, what's been said, Adam, Tony, anything to say on that subject before we move back to the, the football again? I like your optimism, but I don't share it. Um, I think we could have four months and there will still be issues because that's our club. Um, I think that I'm far too pessimistic when it comes to some of this uh, off-the-field stuff, really, um, that the club will get it right because every time there is, you know, um, time and time again we see it. Um, so, Let's go with e-ticketing. Uh, the other day for the Leipzig game, um, we tried to enter using one phone. Um, didn't work. Then spent 20 minutes there trying to phone around, get it to sorted. Spoke to the woman, ended up just jumping over. Um, it was hospitality side, jumping so over. jumped over. Yeah, it's not the big oh, turnstiles. It was hospitality. So oh, it's right, like right. a little turnstile kind of thing that you can just jump. Uh, so I just ended up jumping that. Um, and you know, that's, that's gonna how get I got it. from the ground, isn't it? Hey, they get your bam from the ground, just right down. Tony jumps over turnstiles, <laughs> just missing that season ticket. There's one problem solved. Hey, it'll see me a few bob, I tell you that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just, I don't know. We've seen, you know, we've season after season. I think for me, it's there's so many things the club do right. And then there's so many things that are always an afterthought or haven't been thought through properly. And I think when it comes to tickets and when it comes to the fans' experience uh, on match day, there's a lot that we do get wrong. There is obviously stuff that they do get right, but whether it's leaving the stadium, you know, we've spoken here in the past about fans leaving early. Um, and a lot of that is to beat the traffic, get the tram, get the bus. You know, there's so much stuff that, time after time just doesn't seem to get sorted that I think your optimism is misplaced but I don't know, think I'm optimistic because I actually think they'll balls it up and we'll have to have a conversation in two weeks time if you want my honest opinion but I think <laughs> <laughs> that's my honest opinion I think I actually and do you know what it's not because people are uh, uncaring and incompetent it's because they've created a massive problem of their own of their own maker they've created this problem with the introduction and I don't think they'll be able to. But they tell me they're going to give it a go. As a rep for the supporters, I've got to take that on face value and give them that. But not four weeks. I think two weeks, then we go. I, don't, I personally think it's too big a thing to sort in that time. So let's see. So I don't, uh, believe me, I'm not naive about it. I don't think I'm naive about it. I think we should give them a deadline and make them stick to it. That's where I'm coming from. Adam? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm more optimistic about it than, than wow. Tony is about the whole experience. I think, obviously, that is a big technological problem. And I know we've chosen to enact it, but 
it's not really our fault, but it's that, you know, our QR codes aren't working, that sort of thing. You know, that's probably some techie who knows that sort of thing, you know. So I feel a bit sorry for the club in that respect. Um, if we do need to rescind it, hopefully, you know, they'll make that decision swiftly. But I think in general, I think there's lots of things that are, are wrong at the club that can be just changed pretty easy as soon as the... I think if the club got their act together and actually and acted on these things that's Mark, that Mark's bringing up, I think we can create a better experience for the fans pretty easily. Sometimes it's just about, you know, I was talking about me getting extra, you know, buying, being able to buy extra tickets because I'm a season ticket holder, like I used to do. Those little things, you can switch those things on and off. And if you've got people like Mark to be able to tell Mark about that and then Mark go to the club and, and have an honest conversation and, and because they trust him, then I think, we can create a better experience. I think that's why City Matters, I think, is, is a really good medium for, for us fans to use if we know we've got people who can. Uh, I have a, co a good conversation with the club. Yeah, it's worked better lately than it has. I've been involved in about 18 months. It's worked better lately, but probably because of the disaster that's unfolded. But it has worked better. What were you going to say, Tony? I get what you're saying there, but it's... And this is nothing against City Matters there, but... Yes, it works well in this, that and the other. But then why can't I go to the club and say, this is wrong, can we get this sorted? I don't think that, and I'm not trying to do City Matters out of anything, as I say, there is, you know, those conversations you guys have. Uh, but I do think that they need to be better at responding to fans because not every fan will go to City Matters. There's plenty of them that think, well, I'm not going to go there because it's my issue. I don't want to bother somebody else. I'm going to want to speak to the club. And they'll sit there and hold for an hour and a half or however long it's going to be. And that's the bit the club needs to sort out. It yeah, shouldn't yeah. have to take going to City Matters and then speaking to one of the execs or whoever at City. It should be, we've got an issue. We can speak to the club. Like we used to used to be able to go down to the ticket office on match day or during the week. Can you help me with this? Can you do this? Speak to Emily or whoever on Twitter, etc. But it's just not working at the moment. And that's the bit yeah. they need to get right. And that is the stuff that they can get right in terms of if it's staffing, get more staff. You know, it's not hard. If it's training, yeah. get more training. Get the, the people in that can do the job. Just, just so you know, Tony, they're, they're recruiting more staff, and that's happening quite quickly, it surprised me. But I actually think the problem is, at base, they've created so many questions. There's too many people ringing up. So, you know, Adam's point about being able to buy tickets, in a normal circumstance, Adam would ring up and say, I believe I'd like I'd like to buy tickets uh, at Christmas for these people. There's no point doing that now. You're number 194 in the queue. And that's because they've created this terrible situation with mobile ticketing. If we can sort out the problem at source, then hopefully people like Tony can ring direct and I'll get a lot less email traffic about these problems. I'm doing, I'm doing it as a short-term thing to show the value of the club listening to the fans. That's why I started to do it, to try and become a conduit. And the other City Matters people are doing likewise at the moment. And it, it's working as much as they value what we say. And I think they're valuing it a bit more now than they did before. Now, you've you sort of hoping that there'll be a two-week deadline to uh, to get some progress. This is my promise now. Uh, in three weeks from now, we will be in the middle of an international break. It seems like a long, long way off as I say that. And obviously, there's a lot of football to be played in between now and then. But that would seem to me to be a good time to, uh, to do uh, sort of almost a special, if you like, on where we're up to with all that sort of thing. And we can talk about other things, which I know Adam cares about very much, uh, i.e. the atmosphere in the grounds. I mean, yesterday when I did my vlog, um, I went and stood in the south stand for, for the first 10 minutes of the second half. And I thought, um, I'm going to try and film the, the crowd here singing, right? And I stood there for 10 minutes and there wasn't a song. 
<laughs> and, I'm, and I'm actually in the sad stand wanting to film them. So I am aware of the, the even with the rail seating and everything like that, that the, the atmosphere is, could be better. And I know that's something that Mark has got strong views on as well. So let's regroup on those subjects uh, in three weeks from now. Uh, in terms of finishing this podcast off, uh, let's talk about the football again and let's ignore the Wickham game just for the moment because, well, I just want to ignore it. Not not because I'll be there, I'll be at the game and I'll be hoping City come through and I'm sure we'll see uh, people like Cole Palmer and Liam Delap and one or two of those are on the bench in that game uh, yesterday. Uh, but let's talk about this upcoming Chelsea game. Now, somebody mentioned Kevin De Bruyne has been eased back in so what I can't see Kevin De Bruyne playing against Wickham. So what happens now against Chelsea? Does Kevin De Bruyne start? Does Absolutely. he then start again against PSG? Then he's, does he then start again against Liverpool and play three lots of 90 minutes in three games? Who's going to play in defence? You know, is, is Stones going to be back? Is he going to be fit? Is it going to be Laporte? Is it going to be a variation of the two centre-backs uh, along with... Uh, you know, the, the, the main man at the back, so to speak. Is Inchenko going to play some games? Is Cancelo going to play at right back or left back? Um, there's a whole, these are big games that are coming up. I just just want to get your, your feelings really on Chelsea, PSG, and Liverpool and the, the challenge that, that lays ahead. Big subject, Adam, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is. And what a, what a hell of a, a fixture list we've got coming up. They've really done us there, haven't they? Um, I think, obviously, you've got to prioritise the Chelsea game. I think De Bruyne has got to start that game. Obviously, it's at Stamford Bridge, his old club. He always lo he loves going there and showing why Chelsea shouldn't have got rid of him. Um, I think, so he's, he's got to start that one. Um, the one against PSG is the one where I, I could see him not starting. Or you could limit his minutes across all three and have him start all three. Um, but I would, I've not started at PSG for the fact that it's not a crucial game. You know, it's the Champions League group stage. We all know what that's like. You usually breeze through. Um, I think we'll get through regardless if we beat PSG or we lose against them at home um, or away. So I wouldn't, I don't think that's the be all and end all. Um, but Chelsea definitely is. Um, and I think Liverpool will be too. I'd quite happily take a point out of each of the games because I'd, I'd bet on us to beat them at home. I'd quite happily take four points off uh, off them um, over over the next few months. So I am I'm starting um, I'm starting De Bruyne against Chelsea. I wouldn't against against PSG, and then I would against Liverpool at centre back. Um, if we can't get obviously Laporte and Stones fit, then you go with Ake and Diaz there. Um, I'd play Kyle Walker at the back. Uh, I'd play, obviously, Kyle Walker at right back in the two league games um, and Cancelo over there in the PSG game. Um, Zinchi can play pretty much every game because we've not got anyone else. Um, so I'd, I'd obviously play him. I trust him, uh, to be honest. I think, you know, he's, he's the best of what we've got, but I'm quite happy to, to let him play there. Um, and up top, I'd, I'd like to see Torres start all those games, really. I think he's the one who makes the striker-like runs more than anyone else. Um, whereas, obviously, Jesus makes the ones out wide, and that's why he's there now. I don't want Sterling to start any of them, I'll be honest. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely Torres up top for me in those. But, as I say, prioritise the league games and uh, see what happens in Europe. I mean, seeing what Chelsea have done against Tottenham, do you feel confident, Mark, that City are going to go to Chelsea and 
you know, because if they were to win that game, then that really makes a statement, doesn't it? Listen, I'm old school. I'm not even convinced we'll beat Wickham. So don't, you know, I'm proper old school. I panic about every game. I panic about every game during every game. So I'm certainly not going to be stupid enough to say we're going to go and get anything at Chelsea. It's always a hard place to go, they always say. We've done well there now and again, but we don't always, you know. It's not a completely happy hunting ground. Um, but um, we'll be up for it. Chelsea will be up for it. It's a chance for them to be six points clear if, I, if I've got my maths correct. That's a big gap. for, And it's not just a big gap because of two teams who might want to go for the title. It's because Chelsea are good. You know, they won't drop loads of points. So, you know, we could, like uh, Adam said, we could do it just not losing that game away at Chelsea. I agree with everything Adam says about uh, team selection. Certainly Kevin. Kevin's got to play against Chelsea from the start. No messing about. Um, I thought when he came on, it was the first time Southampton looked frightened. Um, they'd been really calm all the way through the game. And that's why we scored the goal that was disallowed. It was basically panic and they were booting the ball and getting in the corner flag. They hadn't done that at all up until Kevin coming on. So I actually think he frightens people. I think he'd put the wind up Chelsea more than others would. So you've got to play Kevin in that. And in terms of left-back, I like Zinchenko much more than I like Cancelo there. And the reason is, it's not Zinchenko's the best left-back in the world. It's more that he just doesn't give the ball away. So he keeps the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't create as much as Cancelo can. But we've got enough creation, creativity in the team. We don't need, you know, especially away at Chelsea, we don't need create more another like a left back who can be so creative. We just need to not give the ball away at the back. That you know that goal that that penalty that was overturned. Kyle Walker, who's been great lately, gave the ball away, and we gave the ball away a lot against Southampton. If we do that against Chelsea, who are almost a counter attacking team, even at home, we'll get battered. So we've got to not give the ball away. Um, and Cancelo takes chances with the ball, and that's why he does well going forward. But he does it too much at the back for me, especially in left back when he's on like his wrong foot. Uh, so Zinchenko all day for me um, away at uh, Chelsea. And I, I like Ake, and I've got a lot of time for him in the story about what happened on the Champions League on time of death of his, of his father and stuff. But he is our fourth centre half for me. So if we're lucky enough for Laporte or Stones to be fit, they play. Tony? Um. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I'm sat here thinking, well, as good as De Bruyne is, and for me, um, he's probably our best midfielder. That being said, I don't think we can have a team that he, he's not going to play every game this season. Um, and we've got to just accept that. So who comes in instead of him? And as I say, Bernardo, for me, has started fantastic this season. Um, but also I look back to last season where, was it last season or the season before? I think it was last season, where we were at Anfield and we just weren't doing anything up front and we were just misfiring. And it wasn't until Phil came on and uh, with his energy and kind of pushed the team on. And sometimes, and I think that was also the difference yesterday, was Foden when he came on in terms of his running and his enthusiasm and just that youthful exuberance that he has when he comes on. And you only get that from youth players. I'm not saying we start all youth players, but you know what I mean? So... For me, it's going to be a mixture, really, and Pep's going to do what Pep does, and I think that's what we're going to see over the next three games is that we're going to see a lot of rotation. I think Bruyne will start two out of the three. Um, but my worry is 
in Chelsea. I never go into any game similar to Mark in terms of confidence, but I saw somewhere before that um, in the second half of their game against uh, Tottenham today, they had more shots on target than any other team this season, and that was 10 in one half. And if Southampton had that yesterday, they one of them would have gone in. I think we got lucky with the penalty. I think if the shoe was on the other foot, we would have been screaming blue murder for that penalty. Um, I think Moss was generally a terrible referee, but that's by the by. I don't think that impacted on the game. I think that's just uh, a byproduct of it. Um, but going into the kind of even Wickham, I think we're going to ring the changes, and I think we'll see a few of the youngsters sprinkled in there. And it's not going to be an easy game, it really isn't. We've seen it in the past against uh, other teams in the uh, League Cup. So Wickham, I know we're kind of scooting over it because of Chelsea, and it's you know on Tuesday, but that's not. A, we've got no easy games in the next four game really. Um, the one that I'm not too asked about losing is PSG. Um, but for me, Chelsea look so far to be our nearest title contenders. Um, and I think Liverpool are more top three. I think, again, with Liverpool, similar to last season, they didn't really strengthen too well. Injuries uh, will undo them. Whereas I think Chelsea have a strong squad and will uh, yeah, will be fighting or there or thereabouts with us at the end of the season. I've got one final question then to ask you guys, um, because I've been observing and listening to what you said, as I always do. And the one player who's not got a name check at any point in these conversations, when you've been going through all the midfielders, all the influence, all the crucial things that they bring to the team, is a man who cost City £100 million in the summer, Jack Grealish. I think that's because we're all under the presumption that he will start a few of these games because he's a £100 million player. But I was thinking this before when Mark was saying about last season and how fluid we were up top and this, that and the other. And I think at the moment... The issue we're not that fluid is because of him. Now, that's not me saying he's crap, far from it. I think that last season, the players had that understanding whereas um, Jesus drifted in into the middle. Sterling knew, I'm going to go out left, or Mares, etc. And they were interchanging up top, whereas at the moment, Grealish seems to stick to his side and that's it. He's not had that time to work the pep way and rotate. And I think, give him a bit of time, we'll start to see that fluidity up top and we won't necessarily miss that striker. But... That's in time, and that's my issue at the moment is we've got a big month ahead of us, and we just don't have that time for those kind of uh, things to, you know, come about. And it's whether the gap's too far before, you know, we kick and find our gear, or whether we are going to come November, find that gear, and do all right. That's the unknown. Yeah. Although I do disagree with Adam of Sterling. I think he was unlucky yesterday, and I'd be quite happy for him to start uh, any of the games. Yeah, I think the reason why we didn't mention Grealish because I would start him sort of every day of the week. Absolutely. Uh, in yeah. every game. I just think he, he looked, he, he, he's one of the only players I, I felt yesterday that when he got the ball, I felt like he was going to make something happen. Um, I noticed before the game, I saw some great stats about how he how he started the season. It's saying um, per 90 minutes, he's made the most passes into the penalty area um, in, the, in the league. He's made the most carries into the penalty area in the league. He's made the most progressive passes in the league per 90 and he's made the most he's received the most progressive passes too and that just shows the potential that he's got I think um, when he does like like Tony was saying learn the system uh, more and can get involved more centrally um, then I think he, he's going he's gonna to be he's going to be unstoppable he already is he's already showing how great how great he's going to be and how much he'll be worth that money um, so yeah but I think the reason why we didn't mention him is just uh, a no-brainer for me 
All right. Well, uh, on that positive note, then, uh, that brings this podcast to a conclusion. Um, Thanks very much to Adam, to Mark, Tony, and earlier on uh, to Mo for kicking off our uh, Pep Guardiola debate. Um, Thanks very much to you for subscribing and for listening. And thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk for being the sponsors of the podcast. Remember, they deal with mortgages and all sorts of things to do with the housing market. So look them up on the internet, uh, charleslouis.co.uk. I give them a call. Um, and hopefully they can help you uh, just like they're helping me. So have a great week. Uh, It promises to be an exciting week. We'll do another podcast next Sunday evening. Of course, that's UK time. It's a debrief on the Chelsea game. Let's hope by then everybody's smiling. Everybody's talking about what a great victory it was at Chelsea and what were anybody worried about. Um, So in the meantime, have a great week and always remember this because this is more important than anything else I'll say today. It's great to be a blue.